flat black plastic on mutinyradio.fm.
many years ago when he traveled under the name of Billy Sunday and uh, he's, he's certainly come a long way I can say that for sure I almost feel as we get started here like the mosquito that saw an enormously fat woman uh, he knew what to do he just didn't know where to start you know? and so uh, I just uh, started in somewhere somewhere near the beginning um, <laughs> When I moved to Dallas, I had mainly been with the Baptist folk, but I was working here in Dallas and got an invitation to sing with the Fort Worth Opera Company. We were performing the opera Boris Goodenough. Some of y'all, that sounds like uh, skin disease has come some kind of got Boris Goodenough. I'm so sorry, you know, but it's not. It's an opera. I was playing the part of a monk. That's the clerical office, not the animal, if any of you heard. <laughs> Anyway, I was having a lot of trouble getting done with my day's work and getting over to the theater in time to put on my costume and my makeup and get ready for the show, which opened at 8 o'clock. And so my wife said to me, she said, Honey, she never could remember my name. She said, Honey, why don't you just bring your costume home with you and put it on, and then you can drive over in it, and when you get there, you just have to put on your makeup. Well, that sounds like a pretty good idea, you know. I bring the costume home. I didn't mind doing that. I didn't want to drive around with makeup on. We musicians have enough trouble without driving around town with makeup on. I can tell you that. So, not too big a laugh, please, on that one.
ਟੇਸਟ ਆਫ ਇੰਡੀਆ ਸਿੰਸ 1988 ਪਿਛਲੇ 28 ਸਾਲਾਂ ਤੋਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਸੇਵਾ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਹਰ ਰੋਜ਼ ਮਿਲਦੀਆਂ ਹਨ ਤਾਜ਼ੀਆਂ ਜਲੇਬੀਆਂ ਸਪੈਸ਼ਲ ਮੱਠੇ ਤੇ ਲੱਛੇ ਵਾਲੀ ਕੁਲਫੀ ਹਰ ਮੌਕੇ ਲਈ ਬੰਦ ਸਬੰਧੀਆਂ ਮਠੀਆਂ ਜਾਂ ਤੇ ਜ਼ਾਇਕੇਦਾਰ ਭੋਜਨ ਹਰ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਦੀ
Flat Black Plastic Muni Radio.fm. Flat Black Plastic Muni Radio.fm. Entry October 3. Today, an extraordinary event occurred. I got up rather late, and when Marvel brought me my clean boots, I asked her the time. Hearing that it was long past ten, I dressed quickly. I admit I wouldn't have gone to the office at all, knowing the sour face the chief of our section will make at me. For a long time now, he's been saying to me, How is it, my man? Your head always seems in a muddle. Sometimes you rush about as though you were crazy and do your work so the devil himself could not make head or tail of it. You write the heading with a small number, you don't put in the date or the number. Damn Terran. He must envy me because I sit in the director's room and sharpen quills for his excellency. In short, I wouldn't have gone to the office if I had not hoped to see the cashier to try to get a small advance on my month's salary out of the wretched that's another creature. Do you suppose he'd ever let one have a month's pay in advance? <laughs> the last judgment will come before he'd do it. You may ask till you burst. You may be in your final misery, but the grey-headed devil won't give in. And when he's at home, his cook slaps him in the face. Everyone knows it. You can't see any advantage in working in my department. Absolutely no possibilities at all. Now, in the provincial government, or in the civil and crown offices, it's quite a different matter. There you may see some wretched man squeezed into a corner, scribbling, copying away, with a disgusting old coat on and such a face that it nearly makes you sick. But look what a villa he has. It's no use offering him a gilt china cup. It's a doctor's present, he'd say. You must give him a pair of trotting horses, or, or a beaver fur coat worth 300 rubles fella to look at and so refined and polite. He'll say, oblige me please with your penknife just to sharpen my quill. But he'll strip a petitioner so that he scarcely leaves them the shirt on their backs. On the other hand, ours is a gentlemanly office. Cleanliness in everything such as you never see in a credit. God says, well, I'll let man invent a few atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs, and when they explode, they'll corrupt the atmosphere, the streams, the oceans, and make life very difficult on Earth. For everything that is wrong on this planet is the result of man's sin. But if we believe God's words that we are of the dust of the ground, then we can give the glory to Him and receive blessing from Him. In the second place, I want you to notice the way in which God appeared to man, how he used men and what instruments he used. Take, for example, God's appearance. I said to myself, you're not on your way to your department, my dear fellow. You're after that girl racing ahead of you, and you're looking at her legs. <laughs> what rogues clerks are. I swear they're as bad as any army officer. They'll chase anything under a bonnet. I was reflecting on this when a carriage drove up to a shop I was passing. It was our director's carriage. I recognized it at once. But he can have nothing to go to this shop for, I thought. It must be his daughter. The footman opened the carriage door. I pressed myself flat against the wall. And she fluttered out like a bird. She glanced from left to right. How her eyes and eyebrows gleamed. Good God, I'm done for completely lost. 
And why does she drive out in such a rain? Don't try to tell me women have no passion for clothing. She didn't recognize me. I, indeed, I tried to muffle myself up all I could because I had on a very muddy, old-fashioned overcoat. Now people are wearing long collars on their coats while I had two very short ones, one on top of the other, and the cloth was not at all rainproof. Her little dog had been too slow to die in the door. I, I was left in the street. I'd hardly been there a minute when I heard a thin little voice. Good morning, Maggie. I'll be damned. Who's that speaking? I looked around and saw two ladies walking along under an umbrella, one old and the other young. But they had passed already, and again I heard beside me, Shame on you, Maggie. What the hell? I saw that Maggie was sniffing at a dog that was following the ladies. Maybe I'm drunk, I said to myself, only I imagine that very rarely happens to me. No, Fido, you are wrong. Said Maggie. I saw her say it with my own eyes. I have been very ill. I have been very ill.
David could not wear it because it was too big for him. He had never worn armor before. So he went down the brook and picked out five smooth stones. When he faced Goliath, he put a stone into his leather sling and let it fly at the head of the giant. The stone went deep into Goliath's forehead. Just the boy with the stone sling. But through these small means, God got glory. In the New Testament, and he turned and find Jesus faced by a hungry multitude. And God's concern about man in this past. He intended to show, first of all, the danger of self-righteousness in the characterization of the son that stayed at home. Although he stayed at home, Although he did not go astray, although he did not engage in wild and wrath of living, when his brother wanted him, and what he did, he was too close to put in and join in the danger, and turn in the of his love. Yeah. <laughs> 
my wife, she's always thinking about my interests. Not, she really is a lovely person and does nice things for me. But this Christmas, it was really ridiculous thing happened. She came up, we went to Sanger Harris, and she said, don't go with me, I want to go by myself and buy you this gift. So she went off by herself and went down to the men's furbishings there and went over where they were selling hats. And she said, I'd like to buy my husband a hat. He's never worn a hat. I think he looks good in a hat. I'd like to buy a hat for my husband. The man said, wonderful lady, what size does your husband wear? She said, well, I, I, I think, uh, I believe it's 18 and three quarters. <laughs> The guy said, well, now look, lady, I don't know your husband, but I don't think he wears 18 and three quarters. She said, well, I believe he does. I know his neck is 16 and a half, and I believe his head's bigger than his neck yet. <laughs> She's a great person. You know, I taught her how to drive up here. My wife did not know how to drive. And I asked a friend, where should I take my wife? a new home, not gold. I'll tie the horses up. Now all of you remain here. I'll see if I can find someone who wants a job of work done. Work? You crazy? Away to Pikes Peak! Ain't nobody around here was work to be did unless you, unless you wants to haul a wagon to Pikes Peak. <laughs> I'll hire you to take me to Pike's Peak so as I can get some of that gold laying all around up there. <laughs> uh, there's no work here. Everyone's gone to the gold mines at Pike's Peak. I was advised to join the rush. But we have no money. Yes, I know, dear. That's why I must find work. Immediately. Oh, Pa, there's gold in, in that place, and gold's money, ain't it? 
boy so sad, dude. Just thinking. Mm-hmm. What a mad world this is. Especially back there in Iowa City. Especially where people's minds and hearts dwell on money, wealth, gold. Someone finds gold and people literally go mad to get some. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If we were as eager to get the wealth of heaven as we are to get the glitter and wealth of this world, we would be a better off, all of us. Well said, my dear, well said. sleep in the house, Pa, stead out here in the wagon? It's only a two-room house, Elder. I think it was mighty generous of Mrs. Everett to let Ma and the two young'uns make beds in the kitchen. Warmer? I'm about to freeze. (laughs) Maybe talking will help you to forget the ice and cold. Don't you think it was mighty neighborly of Mr. and Mrs. Everett to take us in and feed us and let us stay all night? They're Seventh-day Adventists like we are. The only ones in the whole state of Iowa. I'll find work at the railroad construction camp, then everything will be all right again, and we can... (laughs) He's asleep. Loving Father in heaven, I thank thee for taking such good care of my family and me. And oh God, be with my son through this cold, freezing night. Put thy arm of love and warmth about him. Bless the Everett family for all the kindnesses they have showed thy servants and make them. My advice, Brother Kellogg, is to go back east. I'm sure you mean well, Brother Everett, and your advice under ordinary circumstances would be good advice. The times are hard back east. That's why we're here, so I can make a little family. But there's absolutely no work around here at all. Not even at the railroad construction site. Most of them have gone to the gold rush at Pike's Peak. That's exactly why, Brother Everett, we must continue westward. Oh, my God. 
Flat Black Plastic, MutinyRadio.fm, coming to you from Mission District in California. Thanks for listening. Keep listening.
shop on Saturday. Close the shop. Because you happen to take stock in what those two tent ministers preach? Well, I don't. And I will not close the shop on any day and lose money. But you said you'd do anything for the Lord. This is for you. <laughs> anyway, down deep in your heart, you know that Saturday is a Sabbath. It is the day God wants you to worship Him. You don't have to get your head chopped off to please the Lord. On the Sabbath, as he wants you to. No. No, never. Well, I shall have to dissolve partnership. Go right ahead, old boy. Suits me fine.
said dispense with the manifestation of allegiance and left the room. From there I walked straight to the director's house. He was not at home. The footman did not want to let me in, but what I said made his arms drop limply by his sides. 
I went straight to her boudoir. She was sitting before the mirror. She jumped up and stepped back when she saw me. I did not tell her I was the king of Spain. I simply told her there was an unimaginable happiness awaiting her, and despite all our enemies' wiles, we would be together.
in the army office. You find some crumb of happiness and think it's almost within your grasp along comes a high official or an army officer and snatches it away. God damn it. I would like so much to become a high official myself and just to obtain her hand in marriage either. No, I should like to only to see how they would wiggle and display all their court manners 
I'd listen for a while to their courtly jokes and innuendos and then say to them, I spit on you both. December 3. It cannot be. It's idle talk. There won't be a wedding. What if he has a commission in the guards? It's nothing but a rank. It's not a visible thing that you can pick up with your hands. Don't get a third eye in your head because you've a commission. His nose is not made of gold, but the same stuff as mine or anyone else's. He sniffs with it and doesn't eat with it. He sneezes with it and doesn't cough with it tried to figure where all these differences lie. 